This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. A panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals in D.C. has thrown out the D.C. government's rules preventing most people from carrying guns. The ruling comes in a pair of cases. So what does it mean for law-abiding people in the District of Columbia? Alan Gura is an attorney who argued before the court on this matter. He comments. Before this case, what did we understand about the individual right to keep and bear arms as applied in Washington, D.C.? People understand what they want to understand about the right to bear arms and the right to carry a gun uh, out in public for self-defense. In the Heller case, the Supreme Court actually was called upon to decide the meaning of the term bear arms because the city in trying to defend Washington, D.C.'s handgun ban had this argument which uh, held that to bear arms had an exclusively militaristic idiomatic meaning, meaning to soldier or to go into battle. And this, uh, according to the city, meant that um, the right to, to keep and bear arms was only a right of uh, people engaged in some sort of military activity. So to resolve that question, the Supreme Court in Heller went through an extended discussion of what it meant to the framers to bear arms. And they surveyed uh, a great deal of history and uh, came up with a definition, which was uh, more or less that to bear arms, uh, as it's used in the Second Amendment, is to wear, bear, or carry uh, on your person or in a pocket or in a clothing uh, arms for the purposes of being armed and ready in case of conflict with another person. That definition actually was not created initially by the Heller court. That language was borrowed from Justice Ginsburg's opinion, dissenting in an earlier case where, for whatever reason, uh, possessed uh, the justice. She decided to define the meaning of bare arms in the Second Amendment. And so the Supreme Court in Heller said, that sounds great, and we'll take that. Now, of course, in the Heller case, the right to, to keep and bear arms was applied to a law that barred people from having handguns and functional firearms in the home. So the facts of the case did not actually revolve around walking out on the sidewalk. But uh, students of the law know uh, that when the Supreme Court decides a case, it's the reasoning, it's the holding, it's the explanation of the law, which is uh, what the case stands for. Cases are not generally limited to their facts. If we take uh, Justice Ginsburg's definition uh, at, at its word, then that would seem to imply that uh, carrying a gun in your pocket is a just part and parcel of the Second Amendment. That is correct. And people are often confused by this. The Supreme Court in Heller not only found that uh, carrying a gun in your pocket or in your clothing is a way of exercising the right to bear arms, the Supreme Court also said that it's perfectly fine for uh, for the government to ban concealed carry. And the, um, the court went on to discuss a variety of 19th century cases where carrying restrictions and prohibitions have been an issue. And the rule that emerges from this discussion and from these older cases is the following. The government can regulate the manner in which you carry your arms. And so uh, even though carrying a gun openly or concealed uh, uh, either way is a way of exercising the right to bear arms, the government can say, well, we've decided that one particular method is, 
is preferred, and that's the one that we're going to allow for society. Now, in the, in the 19th century, it was thought generally that people who concealed their guns were um, up to no good. They wanted the advantage of unfair surprise over, over their victims, and so uh, many places uh, tried to restrict the concealed carrying of arms, and courts said that's fine to do. However, courts were also careful to note that if the prohibition went too far and the right became inaccessible, if the uh, regulation amounted to a destruction of the right, as one court said in, in the 1800s, then that goes too far and that in fact is unconstitutional. And there were courts in the 19th century which struck down carry prohibitions that went too far because they made all forms of carrying uh, impossible. Now today we have a different social understanding. Um, states are quite liberal with the issuance of concealed carry permits for the most part, but uh, open carrying is still somewhat more controversial. It tends to uh, alarm uh, people oftentimes. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, the state government saying, well, we're going to ban open carrying. We're just going to let you conceal it if you'd like to, to carry a gun. By all means, carry it, but it needs to be concealed. That's fine too. What they can't do is make it completely impossible to carry in any way, shape, or form. That is what goes too far. Um, now, in Washington, D.C., you have uh, a situation where open carrying is, is generally not allowed. You can carry a gun if you have a permit to do so, and that's all well and good, except the permit isn't really available to the people. By definition, the permit is only available to a select few who are going to be a tiny minority of the city's population who can convince the police chief that they have a good reason or a good cause for uh, carrying the gun. Uh, and that, we contend, is unconstitutional. If you have the right to do something, then it cannot be that you must prove to the police that you're entitled to exercise your right. The Constitution is really all the proof you need. So what was uh, used as a good reason? Presumably people who were under threat in some way? Yes. It's, it's strange. The good reasons that are um, – that are suggested as qualifying. Of course, one never knows because it's up to the complete discretion of the police chief. The police chief will decide whether or not your reason is good enough. But generally speaking, living in a high crime neighborhood, uh, fearing crime, those are not good reasons for the police. A good reason might be if you've had a specific threat uh, that you can document. So if, if you've received a death threat, you take that to the police department. Um, then uh, you might be able to get a gun carry permit or if you carry – if you're in the business of uh, carrying uh, cash or, or valuables. Um, that to me has always been strange because I uh, – at least I, I believe that we should uh, elevate the protection of human life over the protection of stuff. So um, – but all the same, those are the types of good reasons that the, the police chief might consider uh, to be valid. All right. So what did the D.C. court here say? The D.C. Circuit essentially struck down the good reason requirement. The D.C. Circuit approached this case in the way that we urge them to approach it. That is by looking at the uh, impact of this law um, categorically. What does this do to the right to keep and bear arms? A lot of times courts in constitutional cases and especially in Second Amendment cases will try to engage in some kind of interest balancing factors where they say, well, on the one hand, there's the constitutional right. We don't really care about it too much. On the other hand, the city council is entitled to regulate things in the interest of public safety. They weigh the two in the balance and public safety uh, or at least the city's assertion of public safety 
because who's going to guess the experts on the city council, uh, carry the day. Here, the D.C. Circuit took a very different approach. They said, look, um, you have the right to, uh, to bear arms. The Supreme Court has told us that that, that, that means you have the right to, to have a gun uh, for the purpose of self-defense. Um, the government can regulate that right if it wishes, but here what they're doing is they're making the right not accessible to people. They're essentially saying uh, that the vast majority of the people will not be able to exercise a right of the people. That amounts to a destruction of the right that is categorically not allowed. And so whatever else the city wants to do with guns, they can't say in the first instance that nobody can access them for the purpose of self-defense uh, outside. We can talk about other regulations later and and to be sure, Washington, D.C. has many of those. Those are not really implicated in this decision. All right. So I, it seems that the police chief and the city council have done their best to keep the right to keep and bear arms to be fully for, from being fully exercised by people in D.C. Even after the Heller decision, it was it's still how hard is it to get a permit? Well, the, the permit to keep a gun in your house is available to people. It's a bureaucratic hassle, but then again, everything in Washington, D.C. is a bureaucratic hassle. And for us to reduce the, um, the, the process for, for having firearms in your home to the same level of difficulty and annoyance as everything else in the city is actually uh, a, a substantial victory. Now, as far as carrying the gun outside your, the house is concerned, the city did its best to make it impossible. When Heller came down, uh, the city had on the books an old law that allowed people to get uh, concealed carry permits if they, have a, if they had a good reason to do so. The law had fallen into disuse. No one could remember the last time any such permits had been granted. Everyone knew that this was just uh, something that might have been in a, in a dusty book somewhere, but it wasn't a, a law that was, that was available to people. You couldn't actually go and, and, and apply for and obtain a permit. Um, in the wake of the Heller decision, when the city went back and took another look at its gun laws, they removed the permitting, uh, the permitting system entirely, and they simply said, you can't carry a gun, period. They, they removed the police chief's um, authority to issue licenses, and they just made it a flat prohibition. Uh, I brought a lawsuit called uh, Palmer versus D.C., and uh, I'm happy to report that we prevailed in that lawsuit. The federal court here in Washington struck down D.C.'s carry prohibition as violating the Second Amendment. The court quite sensibly held that if you have the right to carry a gun, the law quite clearly states you may never, ever carry a gun, no way, no how. That's unconstitutional. Washington, D.C. initially appealed that decision, but then they abandoned their appeal uh, and instead rewrote their, uh, their law to adopt, again, this may-issue discretionary good reason system under which they would not really have to issue very many, if any, permits. They've issued a symbolic amount of permits, but in reality, um, most people do not and cannot ever qualify. So what's next? I mean, the, the, the landscape in the 1990s and the aughts has changed dramatically around the country. Uh, how likely are we to see D.C. finally fall in line and say, yes, we're going to act as uh, dozens of states have? D.C. will never voluntarily allow people any measure of Second Amendment freedom. It is a, a religious article of faith among the people who run this city and the people on the city council that guns are a social evil and they must engage in every possible last restriction that, that they can imagine 
to prevent people from having, keeping, and carrying them. So I would be shocked if tomorrow the city council threw up its hands and said, well, we've read the opinion, it all makes sense, and you know, let's try to uh, respect people's Second Amendment rights. I suspect that they will keep fighting us. The case um, is not yet over. They have several options. Uh, the, the city can either ask the full D.C. Circuit to rehear the case uh, en banc, to go before all the judges and not just a, a panel as we had here, uh, or they can um, petition the Supreme Court to, to review uh, the case right now. Which path they'll take, I don't know. They haven't said. I could see uh, good reasons for them why they would take one or the other. Uh, in any event, it's not our call. We're just waiting for them to make up their mind. Alan Gura is an attorney in Washington, D.C., who's argued several high-profile Second Amendment cases, including Heller v. D.C. in 2008. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.